We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, Derek Chauvin, he's found guilty on two counts of murder, second and third degree, as well as manslaughter. Sentencing will follow in a couple weeks. So here's the question. How will our culture react? The answer to this question is what distinguishes adults from children. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. The topic of the day is Derek Chauvin. How could it not be? How could I not comment on this particular issue? The day after the verdict. As I said, and as you know, it's been headline news in essentially every news source. Derek Chauvin has been found guilty on all counts second and third degree murder, as well as manslaughter. And his sentencing will be approximately two weeks out or thereabout. So the question I want to address today on the show is how do we respond? How will the American people respond? How will those folks that were in the streets outside the courthouse respond? How will the church How will Black Lives Matter? How will Al Sharpton? How will all of those people, you and I, as well as everyone else, respond to this situation? And what should our response be? What is the difference between an adult response to these types of broken, sinful, terrible, human crises be? What's the adult response versus the childish response? You know, the interesting thing is I have a chapter in my book, Grow Up, and today I'm really not trying to push the book. I just can't, can't help but refer to this chapter. I have a chapter in my book. It's actually chapter 18 out of the 20 lessons on why it's important to grow up and act like an adult in a world that's become increasingly infantilized, a world that looks more like a daycare, a world that seems to be governed by a bunch of children, of self-centered adolescents, a world that looks more like that on a daily basis than a world of mature, critical thinkers, functioning adults. I have a chapter about this. It's titled, Was It Helpful or Was It Hurtful? And it's a chapter about forgiveness. It's a chapter about Brandon Jean. You may remember the story or you may not. If you don't remember it, you need to. It's not that old. It's a 2019 story in Texas about a situation that was almost identical to the George Floyd situation at least in some ways. 
a police officer, in this case an off-duty police officer, named Amber Geiger, shot and killed Brant Jean's brother. His name was Botham Jean. And Amber Geiger was tried in court and found guilty of murder and sentenced to prison. And it was at the sentencing that Brant Jean said something that rocked the world. It's probably one of the most important stories in the last 10 years. And unfortunately, I think we've forgotten it. So after we take a break, I'm going to remind you of that story. Again, I retell it in my book, Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. Chapter 18. Was it helpful or was it hurtful? It's a chapter about forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. This is The Rebellion. Remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper to become a subscribing member of The Rebellion. Also remember that you can get my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or any other online bookstore. Grow up, life isn't safe, but it's good. Again, let's take a break, acknowledge our corporate sponsors, and I'll be back in a couple minutes. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Again, the story I want to focus on for the rest of the show is Brant Jean. His brother, Botham Jean, was accidentally killed by an off-duty police officer in Texas. Her name was Amber Geiger. Let me refresh your memory on the story. It was October of 2019. And this is when Brant Jean, in my opinion, shook the political landscape, as well as our assumptions of justice and jurisprudence in the United States. You see, Brant Jean is the younger brother of Botham Jean. And as I said, Botham was a young man who was shot and killed by an off-duty police officer, and her name was Amber Geiger. Now, tensions rose. It was just like the George Floyd situation. People were protesting in the streets. How many times is this going to happen until we have justice? Good questions. There was anger. People were fearful. It was a powder keg. The initial charge was manslaughter. It was eventually changed and raised to murder. And in the trial, Geiger was found guilty, and she was sentenced to prison. And that provided the moment for Brant Jean, the younger brother of the deceased Botham Jean. And he did something that most people would never even consider doing. It was one of the most moving moments that I think we've seen in American jurisprudence, in the American courtroom. Perhaps in recent memory, perhaps in 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, I don't know, you come up with something that's more moving than what I'm going to tell you right now and remind you of. This young man, Brant Jean, told the woman who had just been convicted of murdering his older brother that he forgave her. You see, Brant knew that nothing could be done to undo what she had done. She'd killed his brother. He couldn't be brought back to life. But he also knew that hating her and holding a grudge would not breathe 
any life back into his brother. He knew that it was irreversible. Carrying the anger with him throughout the rest of his life would cheat him more than it would punish her, and he knew that. Why did he know that? Well, listen to the rest of the story. This is a direct quote from Brant Jean in the courtroom immediately after the sentencing of Amber Geiger. He said this, I wasn't ever going to say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what Botham would want. And the best would be to give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that Botham would want you to do. And again, I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. Close quote. Brant Jean. This is an exceptional statement. This is an exceptional moment. This is a moment that we don't see much at all in public life. And I guess my point here is maybe even in our own personal lives. Many would say that Brant had the right to hate, but instead he chose to forgive. And his dad actually followed Brant's lead. Brant's father came along, Botham's dad, Brant's dad, the father of the boy who had been murdered by the police officer. And he said this, I felt the same way. I wish I could have extended to you the same courtesy, he said to Amber Geiger. A courtesy? He's actually saying he wished he could have extended a courtesy to the woman who's been convicted of murdering his son. And then he goes on and he says this, that's what Christ would want us to do. If you will not forgive, neither will your father forgive you. He's quoting the words of Christ. And then he says, I don't want to see you rot in hell. He says, I didn't say. He says, I don't want to see you rot in hell. I don't want to see you go rot in prison either. I hope this will change your life. It's not over. Tammy Kemp, the presiding judge, she steps down off the bench and she says, you haven't done so much that you can't be forgiven. She says this to Amber Geiger. You did something bad in one moment of time. What you do now is what matters. And she whispered in Geiger's ear, ma'am, it's not because I'm good. It's because I believe in Christ. None of us are worthy. Here's the deal. Brant, Jean, and his father, and Tammy Kemp, the presiding judge, just told you and the whole world what the gospel is all about. The good news of Jesus Christ. It's basically this. None of us are worthy. None of us are good. All of us are sinners. And I am the chief among them, to quote the Apostle Paul. And he wasn't saying that as hyperbole or false humility. The Apostle Paul was a murderer. He killed Stephen. He hunted Christians for sport, literally. He rounded them up, took them to prison to be tried and potentially executed for blasphemy. 
all of us are sinners and I am chief among them. We are all broken. And if we think we're justified, we stand condemned already. The good news of the gospel is that we can rise above resentment and revenge. And we can become new creations in Christ. Behold, all things of the past have died. And behold, the new has come. You are transformed. You are a new creation in Christ. We don't have to let the actions of others control us. We don't have to be enslaved by perpetual victimization. We do not have to be held in bondage by the sins of others or the sins we find in ourselves. That's the story here. We can forgive and we can be forgiven and we can be saved. Saved from anger. Saved from vengeance, saved from self-righteousness, saved from ourselves. Saved from ourselves, saved from our selfishness, our self-righteousness, our childishness. Martin Luther said, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel Hate on earth is not his equal. John Newton cried, There are two things I know. I am a great sinner and Jesus is a great Savior. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Luther and Newton are both saying, We are the chief among all sinners. We've been forgiven and therefore we are obligated to forgive. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our what? Our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. The Lord's Prayer itself tells us that we are called to forgive. The cycle of cruel hate that Luther refers to, it's only broken by God's grace toward you and yours toward others. This beautiful testimony of Brant Jean is juxtaposed against the ugly grudge of anger and resentment that is in the streets of our culture, outside the courtroom for the George Floyd trial. Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, intersectionality, white privilege, postmodern nihilism, us against them, class conflict, racial conflict. All of this is self-centeredness, and it's a refusal to forgive, and it's a demand for recompense. It's a quest for revenge. Chance of no justice, no peace. They ring out everywhere. The cries of how many of us does it take to get justice. These cries are being shouted by pastors, Pastors, they were being shouted by pastors outside the courtroom in Texas in 2019 in the Botham Jean trial, the Amber Geiger trial. It's against that, in juxtaposition to that, opposite of that, that Brant Jean's forgiveness shines like a bright sun in a very dark world. 
In fact, there was a pastor standing outside on the steps after Amber Geiger had been sentenced. Apparently, the sentencing was not severe enough for him. And a pastor, I repeat, a pastor, kept shouting, No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. How many of us does it take to get justice? The woman had been convicted of murder, but the sentencing was not severe enough. But yet a young boy, a teenage boy, chose to forgive the woman who had killed his brother. The father chose to forgive. The judge showed emotional mercy. Oh, there were still consequences for Amber Geiger. The judge did not temper those consequences, but she let the woman know that forgiveness was the solution, and she honored the example of Brant Jean. You see, the actions of Brant Jean and his father, as well as those of the judge, those actions should have silenced the cries of the angry mob, the cries of an unforgiving pastor. Here you've got a young man that forgives And he changes everything for the good. But yet you have a preacher that demands justice, and he changes nothing. Nothing, not even himself. Brant Jean changed the world. You could argue that Brant Jean changed heaven. He followed the example of Christ, one of forgiveness, one of doing to others what you would want them to do to you. And the earth shook and the angels sang. This is true hope and this is true change. If you want hope and change, if that's what you believe in, true hope and true change can only be found in forgiveness, not revenge. Judge Kemp, she offered this closure. She said this to Brandt. Thank you for the way you modeled Christ. But if you listen carefully, you might actually hear Jesus extending his perfect summary. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, Brant. Well done. This was a beautiful moment. It was a moment of forgiveness. And it was in juxtaposition to those that were crying on the sidewalk and on the steps. No justice, no peace. What a distinction. What a difference. You see, it showed that forgiveness is the only way that the circle of victimization and vengeance can be broken. That's what Brandt showed. And those that were refusing to forgive, they completely missed that point. Forgiveness is the only way to stop the hate that they claim to hate. Forgiveness is the only way to stop the hate that they claim to hate. They're waving their banners of love is love and love trumps hate. But their recalcitrance proves over and over again that they would rather see people be held in the vicious cycle of victimization than 
see those people freed through the forgiveness and the grace of Christ. So, as we look at the situation, Derek Chauvin is pretty close, not identical, but pretty close. What are we going to do as a culture? Are we going to continue to chant, no justice, no peace? How many of us does it take to get justice? Are we going to continue to chant things like, it's amazing how quickly injustice can be seized by the hands of justice. This is a tragedy. Excuse me, this is a travesty. That's self-righteous. That puts you in the seat of the righteous. That means that you presume to be somebody that has never committed the crime yourself. But Jesus makes it very clear to us that when you look at somebody with hate in your heart, you've committed the crime of murder. So as you see people shouting angrily at one another out in the streets, as you see the proponents of Black Lives Matter and critical race theory dividing our country and our culture, and calling people that don't look like them less than fully human because of the level of melanin they have in their skin. Ask yourself, is that loving? Is that forgiving? Or is that somehow the elevation of one person above the other? Is that the denial that you're a sinner yourself and therefore you don't need forgiveness and therefore you have no intention of ever forgiving anyone else? Or is it the admission that, yeah, you're not perfect yourself, and you've been in need of a lot of that stuff called forgiveness. And therefore, at this point in time, like Brandt said to Amber Geiger, my brother would want me to forgive you. He'd want the best for you. And the best that I can think of right now is that you give your life to Christ. And what does that mean? What's that language mean, giving your life to Christ? Well, it means repenting, confessing. That for all have sinned and fall, fallen short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. And that the wages of sin, any sin, all sin, your sin, my sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Is there a common theme in all these Bible verses that I just rattled off? Yes, there is. The common theme is you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, you need forgiveness, I need forgiveness. And then back to the words of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We don't have an option here. But the beauty of it is it breaks the cycle. You see, adults forgive. Because a lack of forgiveness means you're locked in the past. You've trapped yourself in a time long ago. In other words, you're not maturing. You're not growing beyond that time that you've chosen to be your stopping point. You're locked into a point of immaturity. You're not growing. Paul tells the church in Corinth to set childish things aside and to grow up. 
He tells the church of Ephesus to speak the truth in love and grow up. You can't grow up if you're locked into the past through unforgiveness. There is no hope. There is no change. You will not grow. You can't change. You're fixated on the past. You're like C.S. Lewis's example of the perpetual grumbler in The Great Divorce, the woman who grumbled so much through her life that even in eternity she became the very thing that she did. She became a grumble. It was just a grumble throughout all eternity. An unforgiving, unrepentant, self-righteous, childish, adolescent, smug grumble. Forgiveness breaks the cycle. It breaks that moment in time. It releases you to grow up and recognize that life isn't safe, but it's good. That forgiveness isn't safe. Feels risky, doesn't it? Forgiveness isn't safe, but it's good. Repentance, that's hard. That's hard stuff. Confession, that's tough. But repentance and confession, even though they're not safe, are good. You see, the good things in life are never safe, but it's the good things in life that release us, break that moment in time, and allow us to mature, to become stronger, to become better, to become adults, rather than perpetual children. When I was a child, I thought as a child. Then I set childish things aside and I grew up. Speak the truth. The truth is, I need to be forgiven as much as anyone that I should be forgiving. And if I expect God to forgive me or you to forgive me or others to forgive me, then I better be prepared to set the example by offering forgiveness to others. Because otherwise, otherwise, life is just a daycare. A bunch of whining, sniveling, self-centered children who have no intention of forgiving that other toddler who stole his toy. I have a friend who always says, when you ask him how he's doing, he says, better than I deserve. Well, all of us are doing better than we deserve because we've been forgiven. So maybe the lesson of the day, the word of the day, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is not safe, but it's good. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. My encouragement for the day is to grow up and forgive. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.